You're listening to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast, Episode 18. In this episode, I'll be sharing an interview I did with Rick Ellis as part of Series 2 of my CAD Management Masterclass, where I interview some of the best CAD managers across different industries. Thanks, Rick, for being a part of the podcast. And now play the intro. This podcast is for CAD managers in their pursuit for the perfect set of plans. Each week, we'll be doing deep dives into what CAD managers deal with every day as they manage and mentor their CAD team, build and enforce standards, develop best practices, and provide leadership and vision in the implementation of new technologies. With an extensive career as a CAD manager, I'm here to confess all my lessons learned, strategies, and all my project delivery secrets. If this sounds like the right place for you, then let's get started. I'm your host, Eric DeLeon, and welcome to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. I am your host, Eric DeLeon. In this episode, I'm continuing my CAD Management Masterclass series by interviewing another fellow CAD manager. Today, I would like to welcome Rick Ellis to the podcast. Welcome, Rick. Hi, Eric. Rick is from the Portland, Oregon area. Rick is a former CAD manager, consultant, author, trainer, president of Catapult Software Solutions, a seasoned and top-rated Autodesk University speaker. Again, welcome to the to the podcast, Rick. Hey, thanks for having me, Eric. I, I really appreciate you um, asking me to come on. I know I've I've been listening to the podcasts for Great. a while now, um, and it's been a lot of fun for me, not only because um, the topic's interesting, and of course, you can always learn stuff listening to these, but uh, the fact is, a lot of the people you have on here are friends of mine and people that I've known um, over the years of of doing this and being at Autodesk University and getting to meet a lot of people in the community. So it's been fun from that standpoint while I've been isolated like everyone else during COVID to um, get to turn this on and feel like it's um, getting back together with old friends. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's that's one. I, I think that's one of the, the best things for me because I get to, again, I think I've, you'll probably hear me say this in series two and three, of these master classes that I'm getting the front front row seat to some great CAD professionals um, and get to get to know them a little bit more. Um, and so anyway, so again, um, thank you for coming. Again, you know, um, I've so last year was my first was my first Autodesk University. Um, however, I have been following you from afar um, because you know your panel your. I couldn't go to Autodesk University due to, due to many reasons. Um, always stuck on some project office somewhere sure. out of state, working on some big project or due date, vacation or whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, or no budget to go. Um, yeah. And so anyway, and so yeah, I've been a fan from afar. So it's an honor and a privilege to actually have you on this podcast uh, to be able to get glean from your years of experience. Okay, well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, well, let's get it. Want to kick this off? And so, uh, where are you working at? How long have you been there? And what do you do? Sure. Um, this is actually kind of a funny question. Um, 
because um, if you were to ask my kids, who are all now young adults, uh, I listen to people ask them this question, you know, what's your dad do? And the answers I hear from them are comical at times because it's like, well, how would we live together for this long and you didn't ever know um, or didn't really understand? I guess maybe I did a poor job as a parent or maybe I did a really good job because I didn't become my identity uh, with them, I guess. But uh, anyway, I um, am a trainer, author, and consultant. Uh, my specialty is on the civil survey side of things. So a lot of work with civil 3D, um, AutoCAD map, AutoCAD, um, those types of things. Um, and I um, own my own company, Catapult Software Solutions. Um, I also have a second company for publishing, Catapult Press, um, that handles all of the writing and books uh, that I do. And both of those started uh, roughly, I believe, um, beginning of 2002. You know, a great time to start a business right after 9-11. Um, there yeah. was nothing going on in the economy then, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so if you want to talk about, you know, strategic planning, that was a great one on my part, I'm sure. Well, I'll get to that one in a second because I want to know a little bit more about that. But real quick, I want to jump just kind of to lay the foundation to kind of this journey of yours. Sure. You know, what is your CAD origin story? Um, well, all of ours are very different, um, I know. And if you listen to a lot of people's origin stories, they'll talk about, well, you know, I took a drafting class in high school or something like that. And I did take a drafting class in high school. I took a, a board drafting class. We certainly didn't have CAD at our high school. Mm -hmm. um, and that maybe shows my age and or the um, budgetary constraints of the high school I went to, either one or both. Yeah. Um, but I took drafting because at the time it fulfilled my foreign language requirement for high school, wow, which, it, which is nuts. I mean, it's <laughs> ridiculous, but I was like, well, I can take drafting or I can take Spanish or something harder even. And it's like, nope, I'm taking drafting. So I, I did that. Um, I, that was not a you know career choice or a career defining one, but looking back, it's kind of a funny uh, thing from there. So that was kind of the very uh, beginnings. Um, I was not thinking about the engineering field really at all at that point. I went to college, um, started off as an um, econ major, uh, which probably dovetails in a little bit later to um, me running my own company, but uh, that's where I started in college. And But mainly I went to college because um, uh, I had an opportunity to go there and uh, play baseball. And that's what they were interested in. That's what I was interested in. So that's what I, I did. Um, as um, I kind of burned out on that, I ended up um, at one point asking my college advisor, um, if I graduate with a degree in economics, what will I do when I get a job? You know, what am I going to be when I grow up? That type of question. And uh, he gave me a very profound answer that I would be an economist. And that was it as far as the answer goes. And I didn't really like the answer because I thought it didn't tell me anything. I didn't know what an economist was or did or what that looked like. Um, so uh, long story short, I took, I took a leave of absence from school. I took some time off, um, ended up getting married uh, during that time, found out that I really did need to actually make some okay money um, at some point to take care of myself and my family. And I uh, went back to school and 
I kind of got steered towards the um, engineering and drafting part of things because a really good friend of mine, his stepdad uh, used CAD and he was a home designer. And I used to be hanging out at their house, talking to them, watching what he did. That was all always really interesting to me. I mean, it just kind of worked the way my brain worked um, in a lot of cases. And uh, so I started taking some classes um, related to that. And during that time, um, one of the things that was a real significant um, learning thing for me in my career with that uh, was that uh, he gave me a stack of old um, hand drawings that he had done. And he said, I just need these in AutoCAD. And uh, he said, I'm not going to pay you by the hour because you don't know what you're doing. Uh, I'll pay you, you know, by the sheet. You get them done and I'll, you know, give you, you know, 50 bucks or whatever for one, for one of these. And I had a um, version of AutoCAD at home on my computer that um, I had maybe borrowed, we'll say, from school because that's when you could go in and just stick floppy disks in and copy off uh, a bunch of DOS folders and it worked. And I, I sat at home evenings um, trying to learn, to learn how to apply what I was learning in school and get these drawings done. And like anything, I mean, when you actually have to do something, that's when you really learn it there. And I really noticed myself um, in my classes, all of a sudden I knew a lot more than what a lot of my peers did from that. So it was a lot of extra work on my own um, through there. Still didn't really have an idea of what industry I was interested in. You know, I probably thought more architectural because that's some of the work, work that I had done. And also because that's what most people think of, you know, they get the Mike Brady um, yep. uh, idea when they think of drafting um, or engineering or anything like that. It's kind of immediately goes to architecture. Um, but when I started interviewing for jobs, uh, one of the first interviews I went on was at a civil firm. And honestly, the reason I ended up there was because they were the first ones to offer me a job. You know, I, I went to the interview, they, you know, they called up the next day and said, hey, do you want it? And I, um, I said, sure. Uh, it's all lines, arcs, and circles, right? I'll figure it out. And so that kind of started a long string of events, which was, you know, here's an opportunity, I'll go figure it out. And it took a lot of extra work and time, but um, eventually, there probably way faster than um, I should have. Um, there was an opportunity because the guy who hired me, the cat manager there had left and they said, this stuff needs to be done. Do you want to do it? And, and, and at that point I you know, got my first CAD management opportunity. You know, it wasn't a huge company. So it was a lot of, you've got a lot of production work to do, but also, you need to do the CAD management, which I think a lot of CAD managers are in that boat yep. um, as well. And um, I spent quite a bit of time there. It was, it, it was an interesting opportunity because we did a lot of different types of jobs. We were not a firm that just did, you know, let's bang out subdivisions one after the other, you know, which is far more productive. We did, every job we did was different. So every job was a chance for me to learn a different aspect of the industry, uh, which in hindsight, it was really important. At the time, it was probably frustrating. Um, um, after I had been there um, a number of years, 
and my skill set, you know, continued to improve. Um, I got an offer from a local Autodesk reseller to come and do training and support for them. And I knew I was ready to leave the company I was at. I had a couple of different offers um, at the time. What, what the other one on the table was for the VA to go run their um, facilities management department. And it was really kind of a crossroads, you know, in very opposite directions to go. And um, I decided to give the training and support one a try uh, with that, saying, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll adjust and go from there. And so that kind of started me down the path that I am still going down now. Yeah, that's amazing story. Um, the crazy part is like, you know, just to think of that fork in the road, right? Mm -hmm. If you would have went that other way, there would be this right now. Absolutely. You know, so that's, that's crazy. But that's life though, right? I mean, the fact that you were able to, you know, and this is one thing I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like an up and coming CAD person or it doesn't even, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're looking to move up and do different things. I think your ability to be, to be adaptive to the situation, right? I mean, mm -hmm. one was, you know, you had some shoes to fill with the CAD management role. All right, I'll do it. And then of course, there's other types of drafting or design work that you kind of learned along the way. And so, you know, I think that's, I think those are huge characteristics of, you know, really key characteristics of being able to continue to, you know, work your way up, quote unquote, you know, whether or not it's the, you know, CAD management corporate ladder, or even just moving from a, one firm to another firm for a different opportunity. Yeah, I mean, um, Bill, and I would say to anybody, you know, especially if you're in the beginning stages of your career there, or, or, or any point, because we're always evolving. Yeah and learning, yeah, that, that if there's an opportunity to step up and take something on, whether you think you're super qualified or not, you know, don't be afraid to, um, you know, raise your hand and say, hey, I'll do it. And yeah, that might mean that you have to figure some things out along the way yeah. and look for resources. And, you know, there's a, there's a reason a lot of, uh, parents used to teach their kids how to swim by dumping them in at the deep end of the pool, right? I mean, it, it yep. worked. Yep. And there's plenty of times in my career, I felt like I'm in the deep end of the pool and I need to learn how to swim. And, you know, that's, that's a good motivator as well. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know? All right. So you, you know, you start off as a, you know, drafter, designer, and then you fall into this, you know, part role of being a CAD manager, and then you jump over to be a trainer. So, and then 2002 hit. So mm -hmm. how did you go from being a CAD manager slash trainer to now starting, you know, the origins of, I guess, the origins of, uh, of Catapult? Um, it was something I'd thought about for a long time. Certainly, you know, Early 2002 wouldn't have been an ideal time to pull the trigger, probably. I mean, looking back, um, with everything that was going on in the world at that point. Um, but um, a lot of it goes back to uh, community and getting to meet people um, like yourself, Eric, like others in the um, that you've had on the podcast. And I started going to Autodesk University as part of my job 
um, for the reseller. And I started to get a chance to meet different people there. And, you know, some of, you know, what you would consider some of the bigger names, you know, in the world uh, or in the CAD management realm of things. And um, I started meeting also a lot of them that were um, consultants and trainers and things like that, that were doing it independently and got to be friends with them. And um, I know uh, Pete Kelsey was one that he was doing, had his own business. He was doing training for land desktop and soft desk prior to that at the time. Uh, Pete and I got to be good friends. And he was one person who encouraged me a lot. He said, you know, he said, Rick, you can do this. I mean, he used to tell me all the time. He said, um, and I wouldn't believe him, but he said, you know, you're, you're better than me in the, at the technical stuff. Um, on here, he says, you, you know, go for it. Um, and so that encouragement helped. Um, the, my timing, again, wasn't great there because I was right as Autodesk had purchased Softdesk. And Softdesk had an old program called the um, SRC program, the Softdesk Registered Consultant. And they really nurtured this group of independent consultants that, you know, helped train and um, do consulting and, you know, basically evangelize their product. Their idea was, if we support these guys, you know, we'll give them software, we'll give them a little bit of training, you know, when each year when stuff comes out. Uh, part of the deal was you had to go back there and do like a week testing for them. So they got a little bit of your time out of it as well. But it was a chance for them to get people for free to go out and promote their product, basically. And they knew that uh, successful users were going to create more users. You know, you, I'm sure you haven't bought too much software at your company that everybody had failed with prior to that. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not saying, gee, we need a lot more. So that SRC program was there. That moved over to Autodesk for a little while in one form. And then it kind of just went away and got rolled into Autodesk Consulting and Autodesk wanted to run it more uh, uh, internally themselves because there was potential for them to make money uh, at that. And I fell right into the gap in the middle there where I hadn't got in yet. They weren't going to take new people. Then it kind of went away. So that wasn't a great thing for me as far as um, the timing went. Um, but again, it just focused, it forced me to focus on, on myself and my clients, knowing that if I'm going to, to run my business independently, it's going to be, uh, it's up to me, you know, to do that. So that was kind of the, um, uh, the route that things went. Um, I had to, to go my own way with it, which is, which would turned out great. I mean, it was a, um, a tough beginning, but it was slow, sustainable growth. It wasn't, um, you know, radical ups and downs. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's always, I mean, it's, I think as any of us, as we go out and do our, you know, whether or not you're venturing out on your own or these different companies, that's where, you know, I was, all, I was mentored and taught, you know, relationships are key. Mm -hmm right or you go and authentically you know you're, and people know <laughs> if you're trying to leverage them or you know use them for something different i mean you know um 
And so, you know, building those lasting relationships that will go a long ways because we, you know, and in, in, in an authentic way so that when the time does come and you need, you need a hand or you need a shout out, hey, I need a job or something. Now you have this network that's, you know, put, you know, is there to rally behind you because that's one thing that I've, that um, as I do these, as I do these interviews and of course, just being a part of the AEC CAD management, CAD world, mm-hmm. um, the, ex- you know, obviously there's exceptions to the rule, but everybody that I've interviewed met is truly some genuine human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, they have a heart to help others. They have a heart of doing good work. They have integrity, character, you know, all these things that we look for and, you know, um, that we all, I believe like to strive for, right. And hold ourselves to those kind of standards. But um, yeah, it's just, it just makes, it just makes you more excited to be a part of this community and to help and to do whatever I can to help champion for others or champion the technology or champion for, you know, other CAD managers. So. Yeah. And, and it is a, uh, it is a relatively speaking small community. Yeah. And where a lot of people know a lot of people. (laughs) And so if you approach that with some integrity and wanting to do things the right way, um, that gets around. And if you start burning bridges, that gets around as well. Correct. You know, so, I mean, there's, it's, you know, there, there is no reason to go out there and um, discard people that way. And, you know, that was really what drove me to start my own company was I wanted to be able to um, build relationships like with my clients and take care of them the way that I felt like they should be taken care of. And doing that with a long-term business strategy of, you know what, we might work together once. If I do my job, great training you. You probably don't need me to come back in right away. You know, it's kind of that old adage of working yourself out of a job. Yeah. But you know what, this industry changes. And if I, and if I did a really good job for you, whenever you need me again, you'll probably call me rather than just Googling, you know, what's the nearest CAD training I can go to or something like that. Yeah. Um, So that's worked out well. I mean, I have companies that I have, you know, had as clients since 2002. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, and I don't, call them up and hassle them for more work. I just, you know, when, when they need me, I know that the phone's going to ring uh, yeah. with them. So that's, uh, and unfortunately, you know, I didn't feel like I was, I had the ability to do that at the reseller where I was working. Yeah. Things were a little bit more um, disposable as far as the, uh, the approach to some of the clients. Yeah. And, and that you know, just, it wasn't, it wasn't the right fit for me long-term being there. So I have, so real quick, I have a Pete Kelsey story. So I've, I'm not like good friends with Pete, but Mm -hmm. back, so back in around 2005. So if, if if anybody knows Pete within the last maybe 10 years, 
-hmm. prior to that he had really long hair yep. uh, so mr hollywood now has a short hair has shorter hair but uh, he was mr boots jeans uh it was he was a pretty cool guy but we uh i was at a i was at hw locker at that point we had a partnership with a company that did that had this really awesome technology with lidar they retrofitted a lidar scanner with their there it's called ld3 technology and um anyway so pete was one of the advisors to that company and so we had this what how do i want to say it? they had this um oh man i'm trying to think of the name of how i want to name it. anyway so they called the best of the best of the industry i don't even know how these guys got people in there but they wanted somebody from engineering somebody from cad somebody from visualization somebody from lidar somebody from gis they filled this room up with like 10 of like some of the top people at that time in those different and in, in those different um um industries and then and of course pete was there as one of the advisors when it came to lidar and yeah. doing stuff with civil 3d and ldd and things like that so yeah i got to work with them a couple of times i mean i'm pretty sure it was this was way long ago so he pretty sure he doesn't remember me but um nonetheless you know guy's a smart guy pretty cool guy yeah. He is, and and now now he's uh, he's on the National Geographic, you know, National Geographic <laughs> channel. Yeah, that's see, back when, he and I worked together a fair amount back, you know, in the day before you know you, you knew him there with, when he did have long hair and he was a rocker, and um, I think he still plays in his band, but he probably uh, yeah. you know, he just doesn't look the part quite as much anymore. Yeah, Kurt. And um, he um, had a client in. East Texas, and he would, and he would send me out to do the training there, because he said, he says, I'm not going to play in East Texas. You need to go there. He says, because when I got when I've got clients in the Bible Belt, he says, you know, one more, you know, traditional looking guy. He says, Rick, I'm going to send you, and you know, my my long hair will stay out of it. And you know, that's awesome. Yeah, he's doing some awesome stuff with the LiDAR and other kind of tech that they're trying to do with what yeah. he's doing well, and trying and to showcase. The, the work that he did on the USS Arizona was yeah. amazing. Correct. Um, okay. with them. And uh, and remind me sometime, I've got a some good Pete Kelsey stories that may not be fit for broadcast there that all Fair enough. <laughs> I'll catch up with you on. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So, so you... You jumped over, you started your own company. Now, mm -hmm. um, what, do you have any advice maybe to those listening to this podcast that, hey, I'm, I maybe want to try this. And of course, we all know it's hard work, but is there anything like one kind of good advice? What would you get to help somebody as they wrap their mind around that idea? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I guess, you know, number one, the quick, easy one, um, your wife has got to be on board with it. Agreed. Or significant other, yeah. because you know you're committing to a lifestyle change, not a not just a change in job. Um, with that, because uh, you know it's not just about the technical work. You know the technology and really knowing your stuff from a uh, technical standpoint, of course, is key. It's a foundational part of it. If you don't have that, you can't do this. But it's only a piece of the puzzle there. You know, like I said, it's a lifestyle change. It's not going to be a nine to five job. Um, your income isn't going to be steady. You know, it's, 
it's going to be great. And then you're going to have months that it's a little slower and that's always going to be part of the deal um, with that, you know, and you've also got to be able to um, wear multiple hats because, you know, you're going to be the, the guy probably that is going out and technically doing the work, but you've also got to handle and deal with marketing and business development and admin and billing and, calling up somebody who hasn't paid their bill yeah. and all of those fun things that are just all part of, of that. You know, so you want to make sure that you are prepared and that you want to take all that stuff on because, you know, it's a bunch of, don't just look at your hourly rate and say, yeah, if I can, you know, I, I can bill this and you know, look how much money I can make because mm. you're not going to be billable all the time. Yeah. You got to be doing all these other things all the time too. Yeah. Now there, I don't want to paint this, you know, bad picture of it. I mean, it sounds like everything I said almost was negative there. There's some tremendous benefits and upsides. Uh, to me, uh, you know, number one, it was, yeah, I have control over my schedule and I get to work with who I want to work with. You know, I can pick and choose my clients to a certain degree. I mean, it's always hard to say no to something, but mm -hmm. Um, but I do have some control over that. And as far as my schedule goes, I mean, yeah, there were a lot of times, especially as my kids were growing up that, you know, maybe I was gone for three or four days, but then I'd be around big chunks of time as well. Um, and I was able to manipulate and manage my schedule where I could, um, coach baseball for my kids when they were, yeah. were young and I could make time to make that happen. And, you know, not just when they were young up through high school and everything too, which was a much bigger time commitment. Um, but those have been some tremendous upsides and I got to do some things that I just wouldn't have gotten to do if I was um, working nine to five for somebody. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Good advice there. Um, as a trainer, what are some software features that you've noticed firms are overlooking or mismanaging? And on the flip side of that, which features do you wish we all used more? Sure, sure. Um, this may sound like oversimplifying it, but the first thing I would say is if you're going to invest in software, then you should also invest in learning how to use it. That's now that's not just a shameless plug for training because that's what I do. Um, you know, that could take a lot of different forms, but you know, it only makes sense. If you're going to pay thousands of dollars for software, take advantage of that. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many companies I've seen where I'll go into their office and they've spent, you know, thousands or tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars on um, civil 3d. And, you've got guys doing grading plans by just using the, the P line command to draw pot, to draw contours around in place, yeah. you know, yeah. or they're drawing profiles manually. And it's like, you know, if you invested all that money in the software, you're using it like AutoCAD or even AutoCAD light. Yeah. You know, that, that's, uh, that is just as wasteful as anything else you think you're trying to save by not providing these users the resources they need. Yeah. So that is, you know, first and foremost. Uh, as far as a specific feature, um, I would say 
the one I see people commonly overlook is a lot of the GIS tools that are in Civil 3D. You know, all that stuff that was in AutoCAD map that's been rolled into Civil 3D. Yeah. For that matter, it's available to anybody with AutoCAD now if they're on subscription. Um, there's some great stuff in there. Even if you're not necessarily doing quote unquote GIS work, mm-hmm. now the, the drawing cleanup tools alone can save you hours. Um, uh, just, you know, dealing with that drawing that you got in, got in where somebody didn't use object snaps, you have a whole bunch of duplicate objects or yeah. zero length objects, all that type of stuff. Yeah. So some great tools there. Nice. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy because, like you said, I mean, I've been at firms where there's very been very little commitment to training, and we all mm-hmm. understand the flip side of that from a business standpoint, right? Yeah. You take highly utilized billable people offline for a week. It depends on how many people you have. That's that's mm-hmm. a lot of money that they're not building to clients, and so we get it. But at the same time, though, like you said. Um, we're not, we're also not really maximizing our investment, right? No. The use of it and or the tools. So, you know, it's, it's always, it's interesting how on one side, it's like it, you can understand the business standpoint and they'll fight for it. But at the same time, that doesn't extend to <laughs> investing in the people to learn how to use it. So that way you can truly leverage and maximize the power of the software, right? Exactly. And I usually, when I talk to clients about this, I'll say, tell them, you know, somebody probably came in and gave you a really good demo um, at some point over the years that made that convinced you, oh, we're going to buy Civil 3D or we're going to buy, you know, fill in you know, the blank here with the software name. And the reason they gave a great demo was because the guy who was showing it to you either really knew his stuff or he'd really practiced his script or whatever yeah. the case may be. You know, the difference is, your group might be full of really intelligent people, but they haven't been trained to do that. And this is not, you know, Microsoft Word where you can just install it and someone can, you know, probably figure out how to type a letter in there. Although I'll be the first person to say, there are many things in Microsoft Word I don't understand how to use and (laughs) would like to probably. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) So, So it's just, it's a, it's a, it's an important investment, I think, that you know you're you're really not going to get the ROI on the software until you invest in your people as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, as a consultant, are there any issues you are seeing that a lot of us CAD managers are doing or not doing more of? Um, what I would say is, my recommendation would be don't get stuck doing the same thing the same way just because that's the way we've always done it. I mean, I, I hear that and it's, and I that's hate the it. We've like always, that's the way we've always done it. I'm always exactly. challenged challenge that status quo because that's where innovation, new things are birthed from. Well, and that's because most likely the way you always did it was tailored to whatever tools you had at the time. Yeah. If the tools changed, then you may need to change your standards or your workflows or whatever to take advantage of those. So, you know, you don't want to be a slave to your tools. You want them to work for you. Yeah. Uh, And a lot of times when I get brought in as a consultant to help someone with standards or something like that, um, I'll tell them, you know, know, 
don't be offended, but I'm going to just ask why yeah. a lot of times. You know, you're going to tell me, well, we do it like this. And I might just say, why? Because you need to have an answer to that question. Because if your answer is because. That's why I've always done. You'll get to that point. So yeah. you'll be able to tell how, how, how elaborate their workflow is. Because if right away they say, well, because that's why I've always done it then obviously they don't know enough about said tool yeah. feature workflow, right? That's just the, that's, I feel like that's just the easy cop out. Mm -hmm. It may be true, but. <laughs> well, know. and, you know, I totally get that, you know, you might have uh, management that says we want the product to look a certain way. This is our company look and feel and yeah. so on. Of course. That's okay. I, I get that. We can work with that, but you know, let's keep our eye on what the goal is and not just, you know, well, this is what we've been doing because I've seen a lot of people then either miss out on new tools or worse yet, work extra hard to get it back to what it was before. And it's like, you're, you're working hard just to work against what you paid for, which doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's, it's, it's evolving, you know, like all of us, we just got to be able to be open to new ideas, be open to new workflows. And again, sometimes, yes, it may be completely maximized. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. But like you said, though, why? And if you can explain that, then we all understand and can get behind. All right, this is one workflow. Is it? I mean, it's, it's as good as it's going to get for the tech we have, the people we have, and mm -hmm. it's aligned with everything. And now you can focus on something else to optimize, <laughs> right? Well, and I would throw in a, a number two right behind that is, you know, most, you know, frustrating phrase um, there is, you know, the answer to why of we spent a lot of time and effort getting it set up that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I appreciate that. You know, and that time and effort might have been extremely valuable for what you had at that time. Yeah. But that's not a reason not to change. Yeah. If, if there's a better way. Yeah. Um, with that, because, you know, that's kind of, it's one of those things. You'll never get those hours back. Yeah. But if it causes you to waste hours every day going forward, it's not helping anymore. And I understand the attachment to it and the, you know, the emotional thing that people have there yeah. uh, with that, you know, it's all real, but it's also not the way to make a good decision. Yeah. Agreed. Um, you've authored several books. Mm -hmm. um, so you have a different story than some of us CAD managers. So what is your author origin story and what does that process look like when, you know, kind of, you know, where you're putting something together like that? Um, in short, it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, um, I, I love finishing the project. I love having written a, a book. Um, I often hate the project while I'm going through it because it's involved, it's tedious, it's, uh, it's really hard to proofread and go through over things that you yourself have written and, and 
read over and over and over again. That um, takes an incredible amount of discipline uh, to do that. Um, I honestly, I started writing books because I needed something to use in my training and I wasn't happy with what I could go out and buy at the time. So if there were, if there would have been really good books on the market for land desktop back in 2002, 2003, 2004, I probably wouldn't be a publisher and an author right now because I'm, I probably would have taken the easy road and just bought those. But I got uh, to a point that I was um, embarrassed by the situations where I would, you know, I'd buy a book to, to teach a class from and I'd have to charge my client for it. And then during the class, I would have to apologize for the book where there were inaccuracies. You know, it wasn't just, oh, I would rather do it a different way. It's like, oh, well, we've skipped a step and nobody knows how to do this. Or, um, you know, there's, you know, this value's wrong. It doesn't work if we put it in that way. So um, I started off by just writing material for my own classes um, and going to Kinko's and printing stuff out. Yeah. Um, I had a friend of mine who was actually in the printing industry who asked, asked me about it one day and asked, well, why don't, you know, do you want to maybe, you know, print up a bunch of these and sell them? And I said, gee, I've never thought of that. And he got some pricing for me and we looked at it and kind of decided, well, with me as my biggest client uh, buying them, I can probably make this work. Uh, so I bought some and started selling them and, and, um, the next thing I knew I had, I, it was, uh, I was setting up my website so I could sell online. Um, I had some resellers that I'd worked with, um, that I had reached out to and they wanted to buy them for their classes and kind of one thing led to another. And, you know, now I believe, you know, this year I've got, um, I think it's about, it's like what, six um, six, um, six different titles for 2021 when they are all, are all done and up there. Yeah. I mean, again, impressing that, you know, how many books you've been able to do over the years. And so kudos to you on that. It's a, I know what they say, what, like 95% or 80% of people want to write a book. Um, at least for you though, it was, it was a utility, right? At the beginning. Yeah. Cause you I had, mean, to had something to teach somebody and you were you know, I've, I've seen that. I've bought some stuff. You're like, oh, this isn't quite in the, I couldn't even imagine the, the, I, I, the countenance of your face or your body language. And you had to explain to people, well, you know, like, you know, yeah. you're, they're paying you high dollar to have you come in. And then, you know, you're using the subpar, you know, guide, um, training guide for your class. Uh, I can't even imagine what that felt like. Exactly. Well, that, and that was kind of the motivator at that point. Now, the, the real hard work was taking the step from um, a handout I could use in class where I was teaching to a standalone book that I could publish and sell. Yeah. I had no idea how much work that was going to take. Um, I thought it was going to be a lot. It was more. Um, it was a, a lot of time and effort to go from that because 
um, you have to be clear and you have to have, you know, theoretically everything there because you don't have an instructor, you know, yourself standing in the front of the room, filling in the gaps yeah. with anything. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to move on to, again, you've, I think one of the things that I've admired and kind of watched, you know, from a, as a fan from afar, it's kind of your involvement and relationship with Autodesk and Autodesk University and so forth. And so, you know, so you've been the panel moderator for Autodesk University's, you know, drawing from experience, the CAD manager mm -hmm. panel. And so for you who are listening, who, who haven't done it, you know, he gets a panel of CAD managers all to collectively all together. It's usually over hundred years of experience. Um, and so it's just pretty cool. Last year was, you know, again, my first year I signed, I, I signed up early. I had the class saved, but by the time I was able, I got out of a meeting and came back to actually reserve the class. It was full. And then mm -hmm. I got it on a waiting list. And, you know, I think the CAD manager ones are the ones where they get full, they get full quick. And then there's obviously the, there's a standby line the day of, uh, but the standby line for that one was like 20 deep. And so I skipped the other class. I didn't get a chance to get to it. Um, but, but nonetheless, you know, you're, you know, you're in this, you're in this room with, you know, a pan or you're side by side with pan a panel of CAD managers, obviously filled probably room with other CAD managers, mm -hmm. managers, CAD administrators, CAD coordinators, CAD supervisors, all wanting to glean from this experience. So, you know, so, you know, you're in this, you know, you're in the presence of other, you know, great professionals. So, you know, what are some of the common characteristics that you've noticed that the panelists share? And then maybe what are some of the common threads that you've noticed over the years, um, you know, from doing this for so long? Um, you know, that's, that's been one of my favorite classes to do at Autodesk University. And I think it's probably um, a similar um, experience as you've had with this podcast. Uh, you get to bring in and talk to all of these smart and amazing people who have done some incredible stuff in our industry. And honestly, that's one of the things that I've always felt was the most valuable about Autodesk University in general, because as a group, you know, CAD managers uh, kind of lead this, you know, oddly isolated life because there's often only one of you at the, at the place you work. Yep. You have a lot of people who might be using AutoCAD, but there's one CAD manager in most cases. And so many CAD managers I talk to, you know, have this feeling like they're alone and they don't really get to bounce ideas off of people. And that's where this podcast is great uh, to get information like that out. Um, AU has been kind of this one place where all of these CAD managers, um, if they're able to go, can get together and hang out with other people that do what they do and struggle with what they struggle with and things like yeah. that. And the panel came from um, several of us standing around and talking at AU one year. I think it was maybe myself and Robert Green, Kurt Marino, a couple of us, you know, there. And we had a great conversation off someplace. And at the end of it, it might have even been Kurt that said, 
well, this should be a class. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, we were like, yeah, that it really, it, it should. So, and I said, well, I'll, I said, I'll moderate the thing if I can get you guys to show up and talk. And so we submitted it and started doing it the next year. We were lucky enough to get picked um, for it. But um, it was, it's just the idea that, you know, get a, a bunch of cab managers together and let them talk about uh, their experiences. You know, what, what are they struggling with? What are they working on right now? What's gone great? What hasn't? Yeah. You know, whether it's technology or whether it's managing people and the personal aspects of things or dealing with management and non-technical people, you know, all of those things. Uh, now, I knew all the people that I put on the panel beforehand, so that was a, a little bit of a, um, a leg up for me from that standpoint. But all of these people, one of the things I think that you could say is a really common characteristic or a common trait that goes through them um, is um, their passion and enthusiasm um, for the industry and their job and their company and what, and what they do. I mean, a lot of these people really do care about it deeply. They put in the extra time and the extra hours um, you know, there's a reason that Robert Greene is the godfather of cabinet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, and it, it comes from a lot of years of hard work uh, with that. But, uh, but yeah, that's a, uh, it's been a great class. I'm always, I'm uh, pushing them every year that we do it to give us a bigger room so we can get everybody in that wants to be there. Yeah. Um, this year being online, I guess that will not be a problem. Yep. <laughs> we can have as many people digitally attend as we want. So I hope everyone who's listening um, registers for AU online this year and it's free, which is not something that we could have ever said about AU in the past. Yep. Uh, so no excuses there. And, you know, find the, the cat manager panel drawing from experience. Uh, check us out. Let's, uh, see how many people we can put in there. This is going to be one of the, the few things. Panels are live on this. All the rest of the classes are going to be recorded with then Q&A times that are live scheduled afterwards. The panel is going to be live. So this will be as close to a, you know, kind of normal AU experience as we can get without all being together. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, again, I think it's, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Hopefully the, you know, we, and I've heard that, you know, because it being virtual, we'll have higher than usual numbers because everybody's, it's going to be convenient for everybody to attend. But nonetheless, hopefully they do give you some more space um, because, you know, again, you know, we were barely short because, you know, we had like 20 of us outside um, waiting to get in and it would have been nice to have, have us all in there. But nonetheless, it is what it is. But um, well, so what we, are, whenever we get, when we're alive next time, Yep. Hopefully back next year yep. um, at AU Live, um, we'll make sure we get you in. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, anyway, yeah, it's again, and actually, to be honest, I've been, um, you know, and also if you're listening to this, I think one of the awesome things you can do is, um, you know, 
log into your Autodesk, your Autodesk account and go watch old, I have tabs with your guys' old panels and yours and, you know, um, some of your guys' old presentations. I'm just going just to kind of keep on learning because, you know, things evolve, but there's the, the foundations, the principles, some of the core things of how we do hasn't really changed. Yeah. And so wherever we can glean, you know, kind of like the birth of your panel, you know, kind of um, of your CAD manager panels, kind of the, the birth of this, also this podcast. Um, you know, one of my questions I had for myself was, you know, where do CAD managers go to learn? Um, mm -hmm. You know, since this is a very, you know, like you said, it, it's, it's a small position, not small position. It's a, you know, not a, you know, there's, there isn't a lot of us out there, but yeah. there are a lot of us out there at the same time. Right. Um, and so, but, you know, a lot of the focus is on, you know, project management, a lot of focus is on the professional career track of a, you know, a professional engineer, structural mm -hmm. engineer, land surveyor. Um, you know, we have a few things for CAD. We do at least for the certifications like Autodesk does um, and some of the others, but, you know, for CAD managers, there's not a, you know, we have people like you, you know, Robert and Kurt, you know, that are blogging and speaking about this stuff. And so um, anyway, yeah, again, this is what makes me happy, excited to keep on doing this and telling the stories of others because then hopefully um, it helps one person to help them, whatever they're going through right now, it'll all be worth it. So sure. Um, you've worked next to several CAD, what I consider the CAD world giants, right? Uh, Robert Green, Lynn Allen, Kurt uh, Marino, and obviously there's probably others you can go off and name. You know, how has their advice or friendship shaped you as a professional you are today? And what are some key characteristics that you admire of them? Um, well, certainly it's, uh, an honor to be mentioned in the same sentence with all of them. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I could say, you know, as far as Robert goes, um, you know, Robert is the godfather of CAD management. I mean, he, um, you know, if you were to look up CAD management in the dictionary, his picture should be next to it, you know, with <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Um, with that, you know, he's, you know, he is a, logical, pragmatic guy. He, um, um, he knows how to communicate very well. And he's always talking about uh, communicating with non-technical people or, or management in non-technical terms. So, you know, speak to your, to your boss in business terms. Don't talk technology mm -hmm. to them. And Robert hammers on that, and he is so right um, with it. He, he's right about plenty of things, but that's yeah. you know, I think it, you know if Robert has a you know a crest, that's probably on it or you know there because uh, he talks about it a lot. But he's spot on with it. Um, along with that, I mean, all these people you mentioned are yeah. wonderful people, nicest people you'll you'll ever meet. You know, Lynn is a um, is a great speaker. She's always very polished. She connects with the audience, uh, you know, as, as well as anyone. Uh, Kurt is great at branding and has created his own brand as the Kung Fu drafter. Yep. And now I believe Kung Fu manager as he's yeah. um, moved on uh, with that. But 
that guy's story is amazing about how he's his his career and done it very purposefully um, as far as uh, as branding goes. And I know he's on your list to be on the podcast at some point. Um, definitely pick his brain about that. He's got wonderful things to say um, on there. But you know the, the list goes on. Um, I would encourage though anyone, um, you know, although we think of them as kind of giants in the CAD world, um, if you are ever at a conference and get a chance to, to meet any of these people, don't be shy, go up and say hello. Um, they are awesome people. Uh, you're not gonna get blown off. Uh, you're not gonna get looked down upon because they're all smarter than you. Uh, they're not gonna treat you like, like that. It's, it's just uh, uh, some great people to work with. So one thing, so one is I need you to bug Kurt for me because I know you guys are boys. Um, he's been really hard to get a hold of. And so um, I've sent, he's a part of the link of mm -hmm. hopefully to get on soon. So uh, I guess if there is a favor. We will uh, get him. Maybe, we'll get him. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, oh. and, the, and, and the other thing that you mentioned was, um, you know, Robert's, Robert's approach to talking to your, your managers mm -hmm. in a non-technical way. Um, I had Donnie, I interviewed Donnie Gladfelder last week mm -hmm. and he had the very same thing. His was, you know, understanding the business acumen versus technical acumen and being able to, you know, like you said, talk and with numbers and, you know, return on investment and the benefits it is to the firm and, you know, really laying out, knowing your numbers and things like that. I think, I, I think agree. I think that's one thing, um, it's really, so if you're listening to this, go look at Robert's stuff because he does have, I've seen a couple of his blogs where he actually helps you <laughs> pitch things to your, to your, to upper management. But again, that's, that's what I'm talking about when CAD managers are looking for how to continue to strengthen their, their knowledge and their skill sets. And again, it goes way, I mean, um, even, you know, I think a lot of people, I think maybe Craig Swearingen also said this was like, you know, it's only a part of what we do, the CAD software mm -hmm. part, <laughs> right? Yeah. Then there's the managing of people, managing of systems, <laughs> managing of, you know, the making the business cases to be able to further, um, you know, get new software, get more training, get more licenses. I mean, and so that's a very small portion, but yet a lot of us may focus on that because again, a lot of that's, easier for us to control right yeah exactly and Robert I know has um, Robert's got a ton of classes that were at AU that are recorded on AU online as well yeah. that you could that yeah. people could look for um, definitely check his stuff out um, any class of his that you take or sit through will be good but that communication with um, your boss you know, I mean, to put it in really simple terms, you know, you, if I said, you know, Eric, tell me why you want a new computer, you know, it don't makes, go into- It makes CAD work really fast. Yeah, you don't, yeah, <laughs> you know, don't, you know we, I'm your boss. I don't want to hear about, you know, how big the point cloud is that you have to deal with yeah. or- what? what do you mean? Or, it crashes my computer every time I rotate. Exactly. Or <laughs> or why the four-door model doesn't work right or and all of that. It's like- you know, explain to me how it's going to make me more money. Yeah. 
and put, you know, talk, talk in terms of return on investment yeah. and hours and things yeah. like that. And you will have so much more success as opposed to somebody's eyes glazing over when you start talking technical speak that they don't understand and they don't want to. Yeah, agreed. So, um, what is one thing you wish you knew earlier on in your career that you know now? Um, a lot of things, probably. <laughs> with that, I mean, I, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I'd no, like to think isn't. I am continuing to learn um, every day as we go. Um, but probably the the one of the biggest ones would just be um, patience. I have never been a patient guy, and I probably am not now. But you know, sometimes you just have to wait for things to play out a little bit. Yeah. Nice. What would you consider to be your CAD superpower? Um, I don't know if I would say it's a superpower, but <laughs> I would say um, the biggest thing for me has probably been communication. Because in my role where I'm doing training or consulting work or even writing, um, being able to communicate technical things in a way that people can understand is not the same as understanding them technically. Yeah. Um, there are lots of people who know a lot about software. Um, not all those people can teach it um, because they're just not wired that way. Correct. Um, and that's something that um, I found out, I think, fairly early on that I uh, had a capability to do. Um, it's something I continue to work on. And again, well, would like to think I keep getting better. But communication would be it. Yeah, I think, I think some of our um, soft skills go unappreciated. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, communicating, listening, understanding, patience. I mean, some of those things just seems like, you know, I have to just be really good at the software because that's my job. Well, it is. But again, some of the other things is what takes you from just if you choose to want to do more than just, you know, if you want to do more than kind of your your job description. Right. I don't want to say just because we we all play a very important role in, our, in getting work done for the you know for to the bottom line of our firms right mm -hmm. however i think a lot some people right now who are listening are like you know i have aspirations to be more to do more great but i think as the the you know i think as you climb these the corporate ladder per se that this is where you have to develop that business acumen that's where you have to develop some of strengthen these soft skills because then that be that will set you apart as a really true leader. At least that's from my experience. Yeah, exactly. And it, it is incredibly important. It's, they are skills that you can work on and that you can improve, yeah. definitely. But also to, to kind of dovetail us back to one of the earlier questions where we were talking about um, some of the uh, big names in the CAD industry that I've worked with and that we've all taking classes from, you know, the Robert Greens, the Lynn Allens, um, and so on. It is great to, to learn from those people, 
um, you also have to learn to be you as well. I can't go be Robert Greene. Um, you know, there's, um, that's not me. Mm -hmm. Now I can learn lots of stuff from Robert. Yeah. And I can learn lots of stuff from Lynn and Kurt. Um, and I might try to incorporate certain ideas that I pick up, but I've still got to be who I am, which is, you know, maybe then become some composite of all of that. Mm -hmm. But you can't just mimic someone else. And we've all got skills um, and gifts inherently. Yeah. And you know what, if you are the person who is a absolute rock star at just the technical stuff, mm -hmm. but public speaking terrifies you <laughs> and you cannot do it. Well, that's okay. Yeah. You know, there's, there's other avenues and you should look for those. Yeah. Or if what you love is just doing the technical work, I'd say that's okay too. I mean, a lot of people would say, well, you know, you've just dead ended yourself or whatever. Well, find a place to work that appreciates you for what you are doing and what you have to offer. And, you know, if you're the guy who can't communicate with anybody, but yeah. slip the plans under the door to me and I'll just crank out more work than three people can. Yeah. Someone's going to find value in that and yeah. is going to, um, is going to pay you accordingly for it too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it isn't a, a mold that we can shove everyone into. No, I agree. I mean, that's, and that's the, in that, I think that's the challenge with, you know, and it, it may be even be challenges of like culture challenges mm -hmm. of parents, spouses. I don't know. I mean, the list can go on and on, you know, end of the day, right. We all have to be happy with what we're doing. And if you're going to do it, you might as well be really good at it. <laughs> exactly. Right? And be rewarded for those efforts. But again, yeah, be, be the best that you can be at what you're, at what you're going to do. Yeah. But like on the engineering side of things, I've seen a ton of really, really good design engineers who loved what they were doing and were awesome at it. And their reward for that was that they got promoted to some sort of project management that they didn't like, they were never trained for, um, weren't any good at, and were miserable after that. But that was what the culture and the in industry said, you know, this is your next step that you have to take because A, you want to get paid more and B, that's, you know, the yeah. thing to do. And I think that's something that's horribly wrong with our industry. Yeah. You know, some people, that's a great move for them. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's, it's for everybody. And, you know, if you're going to take that just to be miserable in your job and do it poorly, that's, that's not good for anyone. Yeah, agreed. What current technology or trend are you most excited about? Um, I would say um, the ways that we have to capture data now, some of the, whether it's drones or scanners or LIDAR, you know, the, the different 
um, point cloud capabilities that are out there are exciting and also incredibly challenging mm -hmm. because we can't just take 300 million points and deal with it the way that we have dealt with point data in the past. <laughs> yes. you know, software has to change, workflows have to change, right. um, a lot of things have to change there. So it's exciting, it's also challenging and scary and yeah. other things like that, but it's, it's a trend we're all gonna have to deal with. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I like the fact that, you know, you know, I've, I've been, you know, a part of LiDAR, doing LiDAR since 2005. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll date myself a little bit as well. Yeah. But, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those where, yeah, you can do it. But, you know, if you don't, aren't aware of the investment you're going to need on the, on the, on the backside for processing and managing mm -hmm. the data and, you know, it, your servers will get full real quick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's awesome though. I mean, now we have, you know, drones, you know, the point where, right, the new iPhone's gonna have some type of LiDAR sensor in it. Mm -hmm. It's not, it may not be nothing crazy, of course. We're not gonna use it to design roads, survey roads, build bridges or yeah. anything like that. But it's it's just it's 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 interesting just to see how some of this high level industry specific kind of tech is now coming coming to the consumer level so so what so the, i guess the question is <clears throat> you know will we be able to show people how to truly leverage it or is it just a gimmick yeah you know what i'm saying i mean because there's not there i don't know so well and the scary part there though. is that you put that in in the iphone for everyone i mean they already had gps half of these people are going to think they're surveyors now. <laughs> yeah. And you and I both know that that is not the case. <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't worry if you're a surveyor somehow listening to this, we're not taking your job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. These people are not surveyors. <laughs> no, but it's kind of cool though. I mean, I guess it's for that creative, right? For the mm -hmm. creative who's trying to, um, and I wonder if the end play to some of that is is with the augmented reality, right? I mean, I, I've never, I've, I haven't read enough about why they why they put it in there, so I'll have to go through some, um, was it some Reddit, some Reddit boards to kind of see yeah. what, what the underground is saying. But nonetheless, I, I agree that's probably it's that's an exciting tech at this moment. Um, what are your thoughts on the future of CAD? Um, I think it will continue to evolve, obviously. I think, you know, we went from, with this big revolution where we went from the drafting board to, to AutoCAD. I think we're now still in um, another evolution or revolution, depending on what you want to call that, where we're going from uh, drafting to modeling. Uh, we're not just creating uh, 2D things we can print, but our mo we're, we're modeling where mo the models that we create, the 2D drawings really can almost be become byproducts off of that. And, you know, the industry still hasn't made it through that totally, because that's going to mean that, 
you know, the drafter is not just a red line guy. Yep. It goes in and, you know, you told me to draw the line here, so I draw it here and that's it. Um, I think all of our drafters are, being, are going to become much more designers, you know, where they want an, need an engineer to convey to them design intent, yep. you know, on the engin civil engineering side, you know, it's, you know, we, we want to grade this and we need a three to one slope in this area. Somebody's not going to send them contours to trace into the drawing. Yep. They're going to tell them, you know, this is where we're at. We need a three to one slope off of this for you to grade this area. Um, or we need a, um, a profile that matches these grades for our corridor. And so that communication, whether it's an engineer using some of those CAD tools or it's an engineer communicating with a designer that's using those CAD tools, the focus needs to be on creating an accurate model, not just getting a piece of paper that we can get out of the plotter. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's definitely, I mean, I have other fundamental, I mean, I have other thoughts on the future of CAD, but I think at the fundamentals, that's the next leap that we have to do. Um, so I come from early in my career, I was an industrial designer for a semiconductor port, a semiconductor company there in, in Tiger, Oregon. And we did, we used back then was um, mechanical desktop, which is the mm -hmm. L, LDD to civil 3d, yep. but we did mechanical desktop, which was precursor to inventor. Mm -hmm. and so inventor, we modeled, you know, we did these, these, many environments for clean rooms and we did the whole thing in 3D, very similar to what they do, you know, very similar to what they do like in, you know, Revit, right? A 3D model and all your sheets are based off of the 3D model, yeah. right? And we still do some of that, which is interesting because we don't leverage that completely in civil. No. Right, let alone, let alone do we do that because my sweet spot within the AEC stuff that I do is bridges. So I'm mm -hmm. a, structural, a structural engineering technician doing bridges for ODOT and doing, you know, doing that kind of drafting, the minor layout stuff, working with an engineer on that kind of stuff. So it's, it was, it's always, it's crazy to me to think that it's 2020 and we still develop for the most part, the road contours approach, right? We'll do all this stuff, grading, but we, once you get to the bridge, it's still 2D lines that represent the design of the bridge, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's like, what a big, literally what a big hole in the market. Uh, and I know everybody's trying, I mean, InfraWorks has some stuff. I know Bentley's trying to come out with some stuff. Civil 3D back in the day had that bridge module, right? Mm -hmm. And they're trying, but it just seems like, like you said, right? I mean, even to the point where our surfaces, um, people are still hand contouring because they don't want to take the time to either learn the application or and or wrap their mind around tie-in points. How is the contour is going to look around the wing wall, the foundation or whatever, right? And it's just, I know, I know the, and I think uh, Craig Swearinger and I were laughing about this because we were talking about this and then we're like, oh, they're probably laughing. Autodesk and Bentley are probably laughing at us if they were ever listening to this. The fact <laughs> that, you know, we're having this conversation, you know, um, you know, things like that. And so, but that's, but that's the, that's the thing, right? I mean, it's just like, I think once we do that, then I think that's going to set the stage of the next evolution of it. But 
yeah, man, we still got to get to that a whole project done in 3D. Exactly. And that, and not only do we have to get, does everybody need to go a little farther in that? I think that just like that first revolution that we had moving from the board to CAD, yeah. um, this one is going to be just as necessary yeah. for people because I'll tell my clients, you know, how many of your competitors do you still see around that are working on a drafting board? Yeah. You know, not many. Um, eventually, you're going to be able to say the same thing about this. You know, how many people are still just drawing 2D lines and, and calling it a day yeah. um, and not modeling? That will happen because, uh, you know, especially as we see the request for deliverables change. Correct. You know, now that you have GPS control grading and different things like that, yeah. um, we need to have a model to, to hand off. Yeah. And that means that some of these non-technical people, like we were talking about earlier, that may be your boss, that may be um, negotiating contracts and deliverables and things like that, are going to have to understand some of this because that deliverable needs to be figured out up front, not at the end. Correct. Because it may cost you more to make that model than it does just to print out a sheet with a bunch of spot elevations on it. Yeah, of course. You know, if that's what your deliverable is. And, you know, how many times have you got into a project and nobody talked about that? Yeah. And, you know, but they, they already talked about your budget. Yep. but they didn't talk about what you had to actually produce. You know, there's yeah. something wrong with that picture. Yeah. It's exciting. I mean, again, every time you go to AU or you do, you know, you go online and look, do your, if anybody's doing any kind of research or just even keeping awareness, mm -hmm. it is, it is an exciting time though, because the fact that it's almost to our, even though people may not look at it as our benefit, but the fact that everybody is trying to develop so fast to get the market edge on the mm -hmm. next guy, that actually helps us in the long run because now these tools that we need, these features that we need, hopefully get accelerated because whoever we're using is trying to beat out the next guy. Yeah. Right. And so, um, where can the CAD manager confessions audience follow you on your journey? Um, LinkedIn um, is, is there. Um, Twitter um, I am on as well. Those are probably the two social media platforms. Okay. Um, I think you've got links for those. You can maybe stick them in and I don't have yep. to spell things out for people because that's no fun. Yep. Um, and then um, my website uh, directly is catapult-software.com. So that, that has uh, a bunch of tutorials on it that are, all, that are free things people can access. So they definitely should take advantage of, the, of anything there that is helpful to them. Um, but also um, they can buy books there. They can uh, check out what uh, information on training, anything like that. Great. Yes, and I'll include those in the show notes. And then also, like we said before, uh, AU coming up this year, uh, week before Thanksgiving, um, and it's free, like I said. So I, uh, no reason not to take advantage of that for once. Yeah, no doubt. Um, any parting advice or thoughts to the CAD management community? Um, I would say just remember in a profession 
or a position that can be very lonely, you aren't alone in that. There are a lot of resources out there. There are things like this podcast. Um, Eric, you'd mentioned AU Online, all of their uh, recorded classes. Um, reach out to people on, on social media. If, if you're somebody who has followed one of these people who you think is a you know, big name in the cat management community, um, don't be hesitant to reach out. That's, you know, I'm pretty confident you will get a response back and you'll probably have a great conversation there too. Great. Well, Rick, it's been, an, again, an honor and a pleasure. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on this podcast. Absolutely. Happy to be here, Eric. And um, at some point, once this whole uh, COVID thing is over, you and I will have to get it together uh, since we are geographically located pretty close to one another. So we got together and uh, have lunch. And if you ha do this again, and uh, I've got dibs on being the first one actually in studio. Done. All Done. right. All right. Thank you again. Have yourself, a, have yourself a good one and we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found the things we talked about today valuable, I would be honored if you would subscribe and or leave a review. Until next time, continue to challenge the status quo, be the leader you wish you had, don't be afraid to step into your greatness, and good luck in your pursuit for the perfect set of plans.